Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we're going to talk all about why using Facebook groups to crowdsource eliminating the daily meltdowns is keeping you stuck. So if you're parenting a highly sensitive child and you are stuck in the meltdown cycle with your kiddo, this means that you are dealing with daily meltdowns, your child is over the, is four or older, that your kid is hitting, kicking, screaming, throwing their body on the floor, running up to their room, slamming the door, or you have a teenager who is isolating, staying stuck on their phones, refusing to engage in anything related to communication with you when you know they're visibly upset or, or a young child, again, who's highly sensitive, also presenting with those isolation issues, the shutdown issues that I just mentioned, then you definitely wanna make sure that you're sticking around because here what we're covering is why asking for specific advice from other parents is keeping you in the same pattern that you're trying to get out of. I'm gonna talk about three different myths that you are buying into when you follow that solution path, okay? so. Again, who am I, right? What what do we do here at MTC? Now, we are a team of expert coaches. We've been working in the field of supporting highly sensitive children and breaking out of this meltdown cycle, whether that be through mental health or studying neuroscience or in occupational therapy. My team is, is, um, is diverse in our experiences. And we've been doing all of that collectively each, each, um, Each individual coach on the team has an average of 10 or more years of experience. And so when we think about what we do as a team and what we have um, been able to create internationally with parents around the world, the focus has been on supporting parents, teaching you the skills that you need to learn to break out of this meltdown cycle because highly sensitive children need to change the way that they Uh, behave in the world and how they relate to the world through their relationship with their parents. And we've helped hundreds of families do just that, eliminate that meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. We've been doing this repeatedly for hundreds of families. And the focus on um, many of, of parents' minds who are trying to solve this problem is in being able to get out of the immediate need right? So for you, it might be that your child is hitting their sibling and just cannot share their toys. And you might have a seven-year-old who has, you know, who has a four-year-old or a five-year-old sibling and just can't play Lego anywhere near their little brother. Um, Or, you know, you might have a, a child who's younger than that with a similar issue or a child who's eight and literally will not let their 13-year-old older brother or older sister exist in the same home. They are completely uh, focused on the the general uh, decision that their sibling has cooties, um, you know, without, without actually talking about it in that way, right? But it's, you know, sibling walks into the room, it's rah, 
uh, screaming, you know, making animalistic noises, uh, hairpin trigger, if you will. And your highly sensitive child can be dealing with this problem and it can show up in all kinds of different ways, right? Or maybe you're a parent of a, of a sensitive kid who just simply cannot wear socks with shoes and you live in the Northeast and you need to make sure that your kid is well equipped to be in the winter, which is literally from October through March, sometimes even April. I myself grew up in the Northeast, so I know what it's like. But the experience or the mid um, North, middle of the country, what, I don't know what I just said there, like if you grew up in Michigan, then winter takes a lot longer, right? So it doesn't matter. What we're talking about is being able to understand that the experiences that your kiddo is having and what might be their trigger in that moment is uh, causing you to ask parents what they've done to help their kid out of that situation, right? It's a common question if you're parenting to ask other parents how they've, if they've dealt with this situation before and what they've done to fix it. And what I wanna talk about is the clear issue of crowdsourcing those solutions um, that you're missing when, when you do that, okay? So there's three different myths that we're gonna be covering when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle. If you're dealing with daily meltdowns and you see particular behaviors that you wanna see fixed with your, with your highly sensitive child, you want those behaviors to go away. They might be related to meltdowns, they might not be related to meltdowns. Either way, you're still buying into these myths that are keeping you stuck. So we're gonna cover that today and help you understand where the pattern is pervasive as well as understanding what is going to break you out of that pattern, okay? So first things first is when you ask uh, parents for their advice on um, what, what might fix the problem, how to get your kid to wear jeans at school or how to get your kid to wear khakis if they go to private school, how to get your kid to wear the uniform, right? Whatever it is um, for sports, etc. Focusing on that answer when you're also dealing with daily meltdowns buys into the myth that context doesn't matter. When parents are gonna give you the answer that they, that they found uh, worked for them, you're missing the context of why that worked for them. Many parents might just give you a short answer. We actually found this brand of khaki and, and it's softer and the, the band is wider and it doesn't scrunch their belly like the elastic ones or um, you know, it's not as, uh, the, the, the belly band isn't as um, ridgy. <laughs> to use, you know, they, they put it in quotes in the Facebook group to use what their eight-year-old used to, to describe why they didn't, they didn't wear the previous pair of khakis, right? And, and so you might end up with a, with a great recommendation with a specific comfortable pair of pants uh, that your child could benefit from wearing. And um, it's also true that the reason why your kid is freaking out for sensation issues when you have a highly sensitive child is not because you bought the wrong khakis, okay? And so when we think about the understanding of the context of this issue, we don't know why that those khakis, khakis worked for that child. Could be that the parent used bribery to help their kid wear uh, the khakis. Could be that the another parent was so frustrated that they threatened that child to wear the khakis. It could be that they um, used sticker charts and, uh, and an effective way to change behavior for highly sensitive kids and tried to use external motivation like earning prizes or um, counting down to rewards to help the child follow through on an expectation that that parent was prioritizing at that time. Now, we know that those traditional and even more quote unquote modern ways of changing behavior don't actually work long-term for highly sensitive kids and they don't lead to healthy, emotional, emotionally intelligent children. But 
you're not gonna get that backstory when you just ask a simple question on how to solve this particular program, this particular pr problem in, in, your, in, your, in your household. And, and so when we, un, when we assess whether or not context matters, clearly it's, it's very obvious that if you don't know what's going on in, in that child's home that is leading them to finally tolerate the new khakis, then you could assume that it's the khakis that fix the problem, right? But we don't know that. We don't know that. And any expert is going to ch tell you that the context is incredibly important when we think about solving specific problems like that. I mean, if your highly sensitive child is having a really hard time going to the bathroom, on the toilet, they might be four, five, six, even eight. And that can be quite a challenge for them. They might not be able to go to the bathroom at school. They might hold it all in and that can lead to impacted bowels and, and uh, pretty significant GI issues, right? You could be seriously concerned about that. And a parent in a Facebook group could tell you to just go try Miralax. And what that's going to do is put you in a position to trust a stranger with medical advice. And the concern there is in uh, determining whether or not you've already gone down the, the rule out with a, with a GI doctor and concerned and, and identifying whether or not your kiddo has a biological need that is not being met. And because we know that a lot of highly sensitive kids can have um, digestive concerns and can struggle with digestion, it is tricky to determine whether that is a mental health concern, if it's an emotional concern or a um, safety, feeling safety in one's own uh, sense of self concern, or if it truly is a biological uh, issue that needs to be ruled out by a doctor. And so when you're trying uh, over-the-counter solutions, whether that be um, something specific like I just mentioned, which we... Um, you know, here at MTC, we, we, are, we operate as coaches, so I'm not going to make recommendations like that to my clients. We would follow a, a medical doctor's assessment for, and, and response for that. But in terms of being able to address um, the understanding that, that that part of a treatment plan, just in terms of working collaboratively over the last decade with medical doctors with that solution, it's a short-term solution. It's not something that you should, your kids should be dependent upon. Um, to, to fix the problem of, of withholding because they're emotionally uh, struggling in, in, with the discomfort of going to the bathroom in public places or in non-home places, right? Your kid needs to be able to use the toilet in all kinds of situations because when you gotta go, you need to go. Otherwise that will in fact impact your bowels eventually, right? So we can understand basic science, basic biology, even if we're not doctors. And so with that understanding, you might think that um, that, it would, that it would be okay to hear from other parents who might have um, solved the problem for their kid. And it's also true that we wanna know at what cost. We wanna know at what context. And we wanna know what else they had been trying. Perhaps they had been working on their child's emotional development for a year, and that allowed their kid to tolerate the disgusting taste of Miralax. And they were recommended by a doctor to take that, right? Um, and or it could be that the parent just said, you know what, we're just going to go with this. <laughs> and, and without that context, it can be really difficult for you to understand um, what is going to actually solve the problem and what is the root cause of that problem, right? Because we don't want to be treating 
symptoms, solving the problem of fixing um, initial problems that are actually results of deeper issues. And that's what we do here at MTC. When we talk to our clients about the, the challenges that their child is addressing, we try to simplify it. And this is the next piece that we focus on. Because when we think about experience, right, you're, the understanding of, of using one parent's experience of their one child's situation they might tell you what helped their five-year-old stop hitting their two-year-old. And that conversation could be that they sat the, their child down and they helped their child know what it was like to feel, um, for their two-year-old to feel hit, right? Um, do we know that they didn't demonstrate that by hitting their five-year-old, right? Do you think they would put that on the internet? Do we know that, um, that they didn't yell every other day and then finally had a heart to heart and then and then that was a catalyst right um, or the child had uh, their needs met in another way because we know hitting is is simply an ineffective way of getting your needs met and they were able to develop that skill because the parent taught a different skill that then started to be effective and it wasn't the conversation that fixed the problem. It was it was the replacement of the behavior. And so when we think about the, the understanding of, of speaking to a parent and only considering their one experience and fixing the problem, you need to observe that if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, the experience of the advice giver that you are following needs to be pervasive, you know, needs to be thorough. This is a pervasive problem. And so in terms of helping hundreds of families breaking, break out of this problem, we see parents who, who come to us with their child's specific behavior needs and specific emotional needs. And there are things that parents will tell us that their they've never heard of any other parent um, having addressed or having, uh, having needed to address with their child, and yet we've seen it. We've seen it 5, 10, 15 times in, in our career um, or more, right? We see that because the root cause of, of many of the problems that you're experiencing with your child is very, very simple. We talk about that in terms of why our strategy is so simple. But when we think about that, the, the next component, myth number three, is the belief that principles don't matter, right? Because if you're focusing on how to get your kid to stop hitting and then how to get your kid to stop mounting down, that is only one component. That's what you're doing is you're taking your child's behavior at face value. When we look at the principles of what needs to be addressed in, a, in the family dynamic of the meltdown cycle, this is not a problem that is specific to your child. This is a problem that is specific to the entire family dynamic. That means it starts with you. You are the lead of your, your family dynamic, whether you share that duty with a spouse or a co-parent, or it's you in the home running the household. Doesn't matter. What matters is that every single person in the family plays into this experience. And so every single person in the family needs to be held accountable to changing how you, how you react in these experiences. And you gotta do that systematically. You can't just have a, t a town meeting in your house and say, we need to get it together, guys. And then all of a sudden, your, your six-year-old stops having daily meltdowns, stops hitting the four-year-old, and the nine-year-old um, stops hiding in his room because he just can't handle the screaming that the six-year-old is doing on a daily basis, right? It takes longer and more than just a conversation. It takes longer and more than, than just a focus on the child who's screaming the loudest. And, and that's the concern that I think principally is not covered specifically when parents are asking questions of each other in this dynamic because 
you're not observing that there are simple principles that need to be addressed in every single meltdown cycle family dynamic. And that is, first and foremost, the parent needs to take full ownership and responsibility to identify what it is that you are doing to make those meltdowns worse, what you are doing to cause them in the first place, and then what you are doing to, to keep them from, from to keep them in, in the, the family dynamic pattern. And I'm not saying this because, um, you know, we're here to judge you at MTC. Like that, that, that's, you know, we wouldn't be here with our mission on our hearts to help parents of highly sensitive kids uh, eliminate the meltdown cycle because our main mission is to eliminate suicidal thoughts and behavior for the entire highly sensitive population. If we judged people for being in this situation. That would be uh, totally counterproductive, right? Highly sensitive people without these skills can be more prone to experiencing shame. So if we come at you and, and are focused on judging you for not having these skills, then we would be really ineffective at what we do, right? So, so compassionately, it is still very incredibly important for you to observe, not just that you're not perfect, but that you need to take feedback on what you're doing and it's gotta start with you. Right? You might have heard in, in any of the interviews that we've done in our clients with our clients over the years, one of the things that they will say consistently is, I didn't realize how much I needed to change in order to impact change in my child. And, and that is something that we, we lead with. Okay? As leaders of the family dynamic, parents, uh, you need to start with you. And uh, th that can be very difficult to digest because if you're not clear on the highly sensitive trait, then it can be very easy to blame your kid or to think that it's just a your kid problem, which is another issue related to the principles that we follow here at MTC that works consistently. Your highly sensitive child is not fragile. Your highly sensitive child is not broken. And if you are a parent of a highly sensitive uh, kid and you are also highly sensitive, you also need to follow that same principle. You are not fragile and you are not broken. That means you can take my feedback right here on the show, on this live. And I know that it might feel hard to hear that and you can do hard things because you're a parent. You signed up to be a parent. You're a problem solver. You're a fixer. And what you're doing right now in, in this meltdown cycle is really flipping hard. So pick your hard. Hear the hard stuff so you can change what you're doing about it or deal with the hard and stay in suffering. That's your choice. But the next thing that I think is really important to understand is that that choice is simply yours. You have the understanding of, of, of getting that clarity that with the other principle that we cover here at MTC with our clients is that children need to be able to have skills in order to, to decide that they are making choices in their behavior. You cannot give your child choices or tell your child that they're making a choice, like in suck it up parenting, all right, by, by just sending the message to your kid that, that they are making a decision to lie on the floor and be completely out of control in their body if they don't have skills to not do that, right? So of course you need to teach specific skills to your kid and you need to do that playfully. So that focuses on the understanding of how the brain works for all humans, but especially for ch children. Uh, that, that children understand through play and they learn best through play. And that just speeds up the efficiency as to why when you focus on these particular issues, you can eliminate that meltdown cycle in eight weeks. It is not, uh, it does not need to take a year. It does not need to take two years. If you've been trying to solve this problem, your kid's eight, you've been trying to solve this problem for eight years. Might not have identified it as a problem um, until you know maybe your kid was five, six, seven. But at this point, you've been trying to solve the problem for eight years and you get to decide now if uh, you wanna keep on keeping on, right? And, and asking random parents about their random kid 
um, and, and what randomly helped them uh, is, is going to keep you stuck because it's not a principled decision that will keep you, that, that is the focus of, of asking those quick fix questions. So crowdsourcing is the slowest way to make and develop and uh, create pervasive transformational results for your family. And, and that's the other thing that, that is so important. When we think about the principles that we know for sure helps parents get, to out, get out of this meltdown cycle, it is principle number four, which is that you need to have a specific strategy. You need to be able to target your child's ineffective behaviors in a way that combats shame. And that is simply not gonna work when you are stuck in a pattern of automatically yelling and then apologizing, obviously, because um, you, you, know, you know that that doesn't work, right? And so the, the component in, of how you are teaching your child that their behavior is ineffective is incredibly important, but it is not the first principle. It is not even the second principle. And, and that's really, really important to understand because when you ask parents how they fix the problem of their kids' ineffective behavior, you're leading with principle number four instead of principle number one. And it's going to keep you stuck. So when we think about what the strategy is all about and why we need to focus on it, what works best for parents of highly sensitive kids, and whether or not it's gonna work for you, I don't know. I don't know. Because you need to be able to understand clearly where your child is stuck. We need to be able to understand clearly where your child is stuck. And then we need to be able to understand what your particular goals are for your family. If your goals are um, to just get your kid to listen to you and, and you want to make that as easy as possible and um, you don't want to be able to explore how you impact your child and, and your relationship, then we're not a fit. And um, with that being said, if you are ready to, to understand why um, the, the situation has been created in, in your family in a way that you notice how you impact that and you are happy to understand how you can take powerful influence over your family's dynamic, then book a call with us and we'll talk about whether or not what we do is gonna work specifically for your family. And you're gonna have that conversation. You're gonna get direct feedback on what we do, what works for the families that we work with, and then you get to make a decision about whether or not you're ready to do that work. And that is simply up to you. But like I said, we have to have a conversation because if what you're dealing with or the root cause of your particular child's concern is not the fact that they're highly sensitive, then of course we're gonna send you in a direction that we know works. You know, As you know, I am also a therapist. Uh, in this capacity and how you're hearing from me, I'm a coach. I'm not using my license to serve clients. Um, but with my background and, and my clinical knowledge, I have trained our team, everybody who speaks on the phone, myself included, are, are explicitly trained in understanding where parents need to go, what types of therapy they need to, uh, to use if in fact what we do here at MTC is not a fit. And we uh, surely send parents that way with a specific plan of, of what kind of services to access and how to find qualified professionals. So we do that because that's incredibly important. We want you contacting us and leaving with a specific plan, whether that be related to using our strategy 
or related to uh, finding, finding another solution because professional intervention for highly sensitive kids is incredibly important. When we think about being able to break out of this pattern, this is not something that I've ever seen parents be able to do pervasively on their own. And I've been doing this for 10 years. And so when we think about being able to notice that and all of the challenges that I've observed in my personal life with my parents trying to do this on their own, in my professional life by watching parents trying to do this on their own and then finally coming to work with us, uh, as well as our collective coach team and them all experiencing the same thing with in their pockets of the world um, where they live, I haven't seen it yet. And so when we think about being able to turn that around, it's incredibly important to us at, here at MTC, as I mentioned, because our mission here is to save lives. And so doing that requires you to be able to observe what is going to keep your whole family focused on not just living life, but living a life that's freaking awesome, right? And um, being able to do that in a way that supports you is happily our pleasure on that phone call. So go ahead to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk to have a conversation with uh, our team to understand where you're stuck, where you wanna go, whether or not what we do is gonna help you. And we'll tell you how that works on that specific call so you can get into action immediately. So again, happy to speak with you. We look forward to talking to you and we'll see you on the Thank next Thank you show. for joining me on Bye. this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.